to start the message tonight, I want to just update you on what's going on with Kelly. Kelly's my wife, for those of you guys that maybe are new to us, but um, she has been in the hospital for about a week and a half now, and I just want to thank you guys first and say you have been so incredible, and we're so blessed and thankful for the ways that you guys have come around us. We've just felt so loved and supported by you guys. We've had people praying, some of you guys have been fasting and praying, some of you guys have been bringing meals or gift cards, somebody shoveled our driveway, uh, salted our driveway, people have given flowers, taken our kids, and I just, as you guys have poured out so much love, trying to help us find doctors or hospitals or whatever, so we so appreciate that. Um, And so basically what's going on with her um, is a few weeks ago she began to feel like every time she stood up that she was going to pass out, and so we took her to the hospital, and she basically has an issue where when she stands up, her heart starts pumping way too fast, and it's going like 160 beats a minute, and she blacks out. And so she's been in the hospital. They at first thought it was one thing, then they thought it was another. They've been trying all kinds of medicines. She's had every MRI and CAT scan and X-ray and EKG and everything, blood drawn. I was like joking with the nurses, like, can they start taking it from me? Like, does that count? Will that work? Or give me an IV, and I'll just like put my hand on her shoulder or something. But she's just uh, been through a lot. And um, she's seen five cardiologists, two neurologists, two rheumatologists, and a bunch of hospital doctors. And I will say this, she's at St. Catharines. They've been incredible. They've been so compassionate and kind, and they've done just uh, all that they know to do. Um, At this point, we're not exactly sure what's going on with her still. And um, it's just sort of been like every day she gets worse. Um, She started out with the the blacking out. Now she's, she's had seasons of like nausea and vomiting. She's had times when her limbs go numb. She's had... um, numbness in her mouth and her tongue. She's had some slurred speech. There's been times where she's had like neurological motor control type symptoms. And so just been through a lot and just feeling overall weak. Um, she hasn't eaten in a long time. She um, is having just a, just a difficult time, just sort of not feeling completely wiped out all the time. So through all that, it's been kind of crazy. She's being treated for something the name I can't really pronounce, it's something like Autonomic Guillain Beret. I just call it the Green Beret because that's the only way I can get it out. But um, basically what they're doing is they're giving her plasma infusions. It's like a five-day treatment. She's right about in the middle of that. She'll be getting her third one tonight. Um, and we've just had a lot of ups and downs. Like almost in a day, you can feel really great about the situation, and then it can feel really hopeless. Um, yesterday, our pastors and elders came and prayed for her, and we saw a really noticeable difference in her. She... Um, about a half hour after we prayed, was like sitting up in a chair, which she hadn't done in over a week. So, you know, that was huge. And then later that day, she felt sick again. And this morning has been rough. And then we had another time of prayer this afternoon where someone came to visit her and just prayed for her. And it was a powerful time. And she was more encouraged and felt more hopeful. And so it's just crazy. It's just so, so many emotions and so much up and down. And I guess all that to say that many times in the last week and a half, I've I've had moments of sort of just disagreeing with God um, and disapproving of sort of what he was doing, you know, sort of just feeling discouraged, feeling frustrated, kind of being like, God, why aren't you stopping this? Or God, why are you allowing this? And just sort of having all those objections running through my mind. And I just felt like I should talk about that. I felt like I should talk about objections. Um, The word objection is defined as a feeling of disapproval or a reason for disagreeing. And we've all seen those movies where, you know, the one lawyer is arguing the case and the other lawyer stands up and says, I object. And what is he doing? He's saying, I disagree or I disapprove. And sometimes we feel that toward God. Sometimes we have objections about the way he's handling something or maybe we feel like he's not handling it at all. 
And we disagree with that. And we ask God, why are you allowing this pain? Why are you allowing this suffering or this confusing situation in my life? And uh, just this past week, I just really felt like I should talk about this because it's what I'm wrestling with. And I'm literally sitting by her bed writing this message and just wrestling with these very questions and these emotions. And I've had times in these past weeks where I've said, God, like, what are you doing? God, why her? God, why are you letting her suffer like this? Why haven't you answered prayer yet? And um, I think that there are tons of objections we can wrestle with, but I think probably the, the three biggest ones as Christians or as people, maybe if you're not a Christian who are exploring Christianity, I think the, the three ones that we wrestle with the most is probably the, the objection of pain, which we're going to talk about tonight. And then the next one we're going to talk about next week, and that's the objection of unanswered prayer. It's when we're praying and asking God to do something and He's saying either wait or no, and we're only wanting to hear yes. How do we get through that? And then the third week, we're going to talk about objections that we find in the Bible. Sometimes we open up the Bible, and we're like, why would a loving God let that happen? Or or how can God be good and say this? Or how can this not be a contradiction? It seems like this verse contradicts that verse, and, and how to really work through all of that. And I think that talking about these objections is so important because I've seen these objections really impact people's lives. They've impacted my life. Um, there have been seasons in my Christian life where, you know, the objections I have because of pain, because of answered prayer, because of struggles with God's word and understanding it, uh, that has built a barrier between me and God. Maybe that's what's happened to you as well. I've also seen the extreme cases, though, where somebody is just their relationship with God's like wiped out because of something that they object to. They get so offended with God, they just give up. And then there's others of us, others of us in the room here tonight that you might say, I don't even have an objection toward God. I'm, I'm doing okay. After the second service, a lady came up to me and said, you know, I didn't even realize that I had an objection toward God. She said, a, a friend of mine passed away, and I was praying for her, and I believed God was going to heal her, and she died. And ever since then, I've still loved Jesus, I've still come to church, I've still worshipped and read my Bible, but I have been afraid to ask God to heal again. That's an objection. That's a wall being built up. And maybe some of you guys can relate to that. You can relate to sort of that, that feeling of, no, I still love God, but, but yeah, I'm a little bit further from him than I'd want to be because of some of these walls that have been built up in my life because of some of these objections. And so today I want to just talk about this objection of pain. And I think when we're suffering, our view of God gets kind of out of whack, right? Sometimes it's like, oh man, God's so good and we see him clearly and maybe he has answered prayer or he's provided or he's shown up. But then it's like pain is introduced into the situation and suddenly it's like, where are you God and why are you doing this? And our, our whole view of him is now through a completely different lens. And I think that lens kind of is distorted. We're not seeing God for who he really is is and so we're objecting to God doing this or allowing that and I think one of the things that we say is something my kids always say to me this isn't fair right I know we've said that if I'm being just candid with you and I don't recommend you do this this is not good pastoral advice but in the last week I've sort of looked at God and said God this isn't fair Um, I think we should always approach God based on his goodness not on our own but if I'm honest I've, I've said to God Kelly's an awesome woman she loves you like she serves you why are you letting this happen to her? And I don't really think that, that's not advice to you. I'm just being honest with some of the conversations I've had with God over the past week. And we just feel like it's not fair. And so I'm sure you have objections. I'm, I'm sure you have some, some things in your life that you struggle with this way. And maybe you're thinking, Doug, is this really the best time for you to tackle the, the subject of pain and suffering? You know, maybe you're thinking like, Doug, you're, you're pretty raw right now. You're emotional. You're probably really tired and worn out. 
Is this the best time? And I do think it's a good time because uh, growing up, my dad always used to say that we have teachable moments in life. And, and so what that means is basically someone can say something to you at one point in your life, but it just sort of doesn't get in your heart because you're not really teachable at that moment. You're, you, the, the, you know, what they're saying isn't really maybe relevant to your situation or what they're saying just doesn't feel all that important. And, and I know for me, I'm definitely in a teachable moment. And I, and I think maybe some of you who are walking through this with us, we're kind of as a church in a teachable moment. And I even think those of you who are, you have your own pain, you have your own suffering. Or maybe tonight in a teachable moment where God can speak and it's really, really relevant to our heart. And so let me just ask you a couple of questions. What, what pain are you objecting to? What, what's going on in your life that you're saying to God, God, why are you doing this? I'm disapproving of this. I'm disappointed, God. I disagree with how you're handling this. This isn't fair. Are there any of those in your life right now? Are there any walls that are beginning to be built up, even if they're just small walls, like, like you can't pray for healing anymore? And let me just say, as we talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, I believe in healing. I'm praying my wife will be healed. I've prayed more in the last week and a half than I probably ever have in my life. I've battled more. I've, I've fought more in prayer than I ever have in my life. And so we're going to continue that. And, and somebody even suggested after tonight that we have a time of prayer for Kelly, which I so appreciate. And so we're probably just going to gather some people over here and just pray for her. And so we believe in healing. But what about those, those, those times when it just hasn't come yet and we're still in that process of God why not yet you know waking up every morning it's so weird like I wake up and Kelly's not there next to me and I'm like dang it she's still in the hospital it's almost like I I re-remember every morning what's going on and so as we just kind of talk about this then I think it's so important because these barriers that we build are so dangerous the 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 anger in our hearts that can build the coldness toward God that can come in seasons like this, can be so detrimental to our relationship with God. And I think we all have a choice. When we go through times of pain and suffering, either we can get closer to God or we can push him away. And and I just want to encourage you tonight that when we push God away in these difficult times, we're pushing away the answer. We're pushing away the healer. We're pushing away the joy. We're pushing away the hope. And so I hope tonight, maybe if you've been pushing God away, that tonight you'll, you'll welcome him back into the situation. Of pain, And I, want, I hope to show you tonight that he's trustworthy and that he's able to walk with you through that. There was a guy who volunteered here years ago, and he was an awesome guy. And he was a, a guy who always had a smile on his face. And every time he was around, he would help you do anything. But over time, I began to see him kind of pull away. And I, I just pulled him aside eventually and said, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And he just talked with me about how he couldn't reconcile in his mind how God could be good and loving and yet allow pain. And eventually that wall became so big in his life that he just gave up on his relationship with God. And so I know that this topic is so important. And I know that we struggle, I struggle with this today. I'm struggling with these questions this afternoon, even before I came here, right? But I know that there's something that always grounds me. It always brings me back when I have these objections in my heart. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Um, so the question I want to answer tonight is, what is the answer to our objection of pain? What, how do we answer it? How do we get past it? How do we not build these walls in our lives when we go through these difficult seasons? Um, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I say this all the time, that pain and suffering is the number one reason why people don't believe in God. And so if you're here tonight going, see, this is why I know I, I can't ever trust God, because bad things happen. I hope tonight you'll see a different side of God. I hope you'll, you'll see a reason to come close to him as opposed to keep him at arm's length.
And so we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 2 tonight. And my goal is for us to really kind of make a leap together. For us to be able to get from really focusing on our own pain and our own suffering and realizing that maybe the unfair situations in our life kind of pale in comparison to what Jesus suffered. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 and, and again just answer this question. What's the answer to our objection of pain? So verse 9 says, But we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So right off the bat, what we see here is Paul saying that Jesus, the creator, was made lower than the angels. He was made lower than the angels because he became a human like you and me. And so the creator becomes part of the creation, even lower than the angels that were created. And I love how it talks about here that he suffered death. And I love that phrase, that he tasted death for everyone. He tasted the death you should have tasted and I should have tasted. So what do we see right off the bat here? We see a God who runs right into our suffering. We see a God who identifies with pain. We see a God who is not distant in the face of our pain. He has run right into the midst of it. He's gotten himself right where you and I are. And you know what? That's not fair. You see, you and I often look at, and I understand the pain of this. Like I said, I've been saying this. We would look at the pain of our situation and we say, this is not fair. Well, what about the pure, perfect son of God who created all of this, humbling himself, becoming the creation, and then dying for the guilty? That's not fair. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that the thing I think that pulls us back away from maybe the edge of man, this isn't right, God, I'm objecting, I'm angry, I'm disapproving, I'm disappointed. Starting to focus on his suffering that wasn't fair. It goes on in verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So we're just in verse 2 of our verses tonight. We've already seen evidences of Jesus suffering twice. This is the Savior that we have. It's not fair that Jesus should suffer in our place. It's not fair that the one who created all things should pioneer our salvation, not by force, not by might, but by humility, by suffering, by pain, by death in our place. Verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. What a weird thing going on. You know how in life there's often two groups. You kind of have like the winners and the losers. You know what I mean? Well, here Jesus is the holy and here we all are the unholy. And this verse is telling us that the holy and the unholy are a part of the same family now because of what Jesus did. And so you and I over here, the unholy, well, man, the impatient gets to be with the patient and the impure gets to be with the definition of pure and the, the unloving gets to be with love himself because God made us holy. And so we're all part of the same family because the Holy One made us worthy to be a part of it. That's not fair. Are you you feeling that tonight? That's not fair that Jesus would do this for you and me? That, That this isn't right, it doesn't make sense, but this is yet, this is what he's done for you and for me. The next part says, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So I'm a brother of Jesus, you are a brother or a sister of Jesus. That's not fair. That's not right. 
The next part goes on, takes it even further. Verse 12, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And then look at this part. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. So now he refers to us as his children. How is that true of me? How can that be who I am with my impurity, with my anger struggles, with my pride struggles? How can I be a child of God? Yet that's what he calls me and that's what he calls you. That's not fair. That's not right. And the only way it's true of us is because of what Jesus did. So let me ask you a question. Are you beginning to make that leap? Are you beginning to get from, man, this is really unfair, God, what's going on in my life. God, it's really not right what's been happening to me. Are you beginning to make that leap to, Jesus, it's really not fair what happened to you. Jesus, it's really not fair that I get to be yours. It's really not fair that my sins get to be forgiven. It's really not fair that you tasted death for me. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. I love that idea that he shared in our humanity. Do you know what that means? you know how encouraging that is? That means he has felt what we have felt. He's walked through what we have walked through. He has endured what we've endured. And so he has endured physical pain. He has endured being stabbed in the back. He has endured country music, just like you and me have to endure it. It's painful, I know. But he has been there and he's walked exactly where you and I have walked. None of that is fair, especially the country music part. And the next part, he says this, so that by his death, I love this, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So Jesus destroyed the ownership that Satan had over your life and my life. And he destroyed the fact that we were held as slaves to our fear of death. It's not fair. Why would Jesus do that for me? Why would he do that for you? I want to make a statement, and you cannot tweet this, Instagram this, or fake Facebook this out of context. The statement I want to make tonight is that God has not treated us fairly. He hasn't. He's treated us so much better than we deserve to be treated. He's done for us what never should have been done for us. He's treated us with grace in ways we never deserved. Fair would be remaining in the devil's grip. Fair would be dying for our sin. Fair would be being punished for the things we've done and eternally separated from God. That's fair. But I want to encourage you tonight. Because Jesus has not treated us fairly, and that is great news. I hope you're beginning to make that leap. I hope you're beginning to make that jump. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. So, so we know that some angels fell, right? When, when Satan revolted against God, the angels, some of the angels, a third of the angels went with him. And do you know what? Jesus didn't die on a cross for them. He didn't redeem them. It's you and me, Abraham's descendants, the human race, that he came to help. For this reason, he had to be made made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. We just found out one of the reasons why Jesus became human, so that he could show us mercy and be faithful. I love this. I love that Jesus became human so that he could show us the mercy that only someone who has experienced what you've experienced can show you. 
Isn't there something about someone coming alongside you who's been through what you've been through that makes all the difference? Even if they can't take your pain away, if they can just simply say, I have walked where you have walked, there is so much power in that. And so one of the reasons Jesus became human was so that you and I would have someone walking with us through our difficulties saying, I can show you mercy because I've been where you've been and I'm going to be faithful. I know how hard it is. I know what it's like to stand by the bed of someone that you love that's in pain. I know what it's like for maybe some of you who have been stabbed in the back. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to be hated. I know what it's like to be abused and misused. I get it. And I'm here to be merciful and faithful to you. I love that it says that he can help us. I love that it says he He loves us. I love that we know that he is with us, but I love the fact that he can just simply relate to us. The next part of the verse says, and that he might make an atonement for the sins of the people. So Jesus became fully human for two reasons, to show us mercy and be faithful to us and to make an atonement for the sins of the people. If you look at that first phrase in the Greek, and that he might make atonement, it literally means wipe out. That he might wipe out the sins of the people. If you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, that's what Jesus came to do for you. Wipe out your sin. Not just take some like magic erase and take a little bit of your, your sin away. Not just blot out a portion of your record. Not have like a list of like, okay, these ones I'll forgive, but these ones I won't. No, he came to wipe out your sin. That's not fair. We don't deserve that. I can only imagine like if you were to think about Jesus dying in our place and and him being perfect and pure. Like imagine a court case where somebody was found guilty and put on death row and then someone else saying, I will die in their place. Can you imagine like social media would be blowing up, it'd be trending everywhere. Everybody would be like, this isn't fair, this isn't right. The person who committed these murders needs to die, not this innocent person. Yet that is the story of Jesus in us. That's what he's done for us. And so we started this message talking about how we often look at God and say, this isn't fair. And I really hope you're starting to look at what Jesus went through and say, that isn't fair. I hope you're starting to look at your own relationship with God and saying, I shouldn't be where I am with God. I shouldn't have what I have in God. I shouldn't be able to approach Jesus with all my burdens, yet I can. I shouldn't have an advocate with God the Father, yet Jesus is my advocate. I shouldn't have my sins wiped out and atoned for, yet that's exactly what I have. So we started out the message feeling like maybe we were the ones being mistreated. I hope tonight we're celebrating the fact that God mistreated Jesus in our place. That's what's not fair. That's what grounds me when I begin to feel disapproval and disagreement with what God is doing. And then we get to this awesome verse. It says this in verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. If you look at the Greek for tempted, it means painful trials. I always misunderstood this verse. I always thought it meant like when I'm at Bobby's and I ate like way too many fries and I want to order a second basket of fries, like Jesus can help me because he's been tempted too, you know? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the painful trials we go through. Jesus can help us then because he has been through those same painful trials. And I love that Jesus can help me through my painful trials. But do you know what means so much to me? The fact that he's just simply been through those painful trials too. The fact that he understands and he gets it. 
And I just think about how crazy it is that Jesus ever even felt pain in the first place. Like, I don't know about you, I try to avoid pain as much as possible, right? I think that's what we all do. And Jesus completely could have avoided pain. All of us want to avoid pain. The only person I know that doesn't purposefully avoid pain is my son Landon. Yesterday, he's FaceTiming his cousin, and he's literally rolling himself down a flight of stairs. And he's like, and here I go again. Now I'll do it again. I'm like, dude, I already have one person in the hospital. Please stop. He's like, okay, dad, sorry. Most of us avoid pain. But Jesus, who was the one worthy of no pain, entered into our pain. And he defeated Satan. And he freed you and I from his grip. And he tasted death for us so that we could walk free and enjoy the grace that he has for us. And so what is the answer to our objection of pain? What gets us past it? How do we fight through it? When we're going, God, why aren't you? God, why is this? God, how come you're still allowing? God, how come it hasn't changed yet? How come I'm hurting so much? The answer to our pain. What is it? What is the answer to the objection of our pain? Jesus is the answer to the objection of pain. Jesus is the answer to our objection of pain. It's, it's him. It's what he's done and it's what he's been through. The suffering of Jesus puts to rest all of our objections about our own pain. And, and what's interesting is that doesn't mean I understand why I have my pain. Just suddenly, I now have someone I can look to who should never have gone through it but did for me and now will help me through my pain. And so now I'm able to, instead of saying, why am I suffering, I can say, Jesus, why did you suffer for me? Now, instead of saying, God, why did you let me suffer? I can say, God, why did you enter into my suffering? And suddenly, my perspective has changed. And I have to be honest with you guys. If Jesus hadn't suffered, if he hadn't come and lived this life and and been broken like he had been broken, then I don't know if I would follow him. Like, if we had just this distant God who didn't care about our sufferings and didn't walk through them with us and didn't know what it was like, then I don't know that's a God I'd want to follow. But we don't have a God like that. We have a God who can look you and I in the eye and say, I understand what it hurts to love somebody who's hurting. I understand what it's like to feel physical pain. I understand what it's like to be hated and betrayed and misused and abused. I understand it. That's a God I want to follow. And that's a God I don't deserve. And so when I feel like saying why, and I feel like saying this isn't fair, and I feel like disapproving, I'm able to say, but Jesus suffered. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. What objection do you have? What wall has been built up in your heart? What do you disapprove of when it comes to God or disagree with? What thing are you looking at and it's, and it's making you say, this isn't fair? Because I want you to remember in those moments that Jesus is the answer to our objections of pain. And I want us to get into a habit. That every single time we're tempted to, to build up that wall against God, that we just say a few words. We just say, but Jesus suffered. But Jesus suffered. It doesn't mean that my pain is removed. It doesn't mean that I know why I'm even in pain. It just means now I have one who can relate to me, and I have one who can help me. I have one that can be merciful, and I have one that can be faithful. And many times in the last week, as I've been going with Kelly from test to test, and doctor to doctor, and 
waiting for results. And the other day, I remember she was in a MRI scan for 45 minutes or so late at night, and I was just alone in the waiting room, and I was just walking around, just praying, and and I just, you know, was going to those places of why and how come, and sometimes all I could get out was just, but Jesus, but Jesus, like that's the answer, but Jesus, like if it wasn't for that, I would have this huge wall between me and God right now, but Jesus, he felt it, and he's come to do in you and me what we don't deserve for him to do in us. And so if we can develop this habit of looking to Jesus in the midst of our pain and suffering, I'll tell you what will happen. We will guard our hearts from being cold and angry and building walls between us and our Savior. We will stop pushing the answer away, and we will instead invite the answer in, and we will cling to Jesus during those times of great difficulty. And like I said earlier, I know God heals, and that's our prayer for Kelly. Next week, I want to talk about when we're struggling and the answer hasn't come in prayer, and, and there's different aspects to that, but part of it is that, man, we fight. We fight when we haven't seen the answer yet, and we're going to get into that next week. But I just want to encourage you tonight, if you're in a place right now where you're a little bit disappointed with God or extremely disappointed with God, that we have an opportunity to invite him into our situation as opposed to block him out. And it's in those places that we will find the help and the mercy and the faithful God that we so badly need. Because Jesus is the answer to our objection of pain. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we'd love for you to put your trust in him tonight. We'd love for you to say, wipe my sin away, Jesus. Walk with me through my pain and my suffering. Help me and carry me through these difficult times. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you've been there for us. Thank you that you are there for us. You are so faithful. You are so merciful. We thank you that you are the answer to our objections, Jesus. And we thank you that you suffered in ways that it's not fair for you to suffer and that you want to continue to be there for us, Lord. You want to continue to hold us close to you in our, in our pain and in our hardship and our difficulty. And I thank you that because you were tempted, you can help us when we are tempted as we go through our painful trials, you walk with us with a sympathetic heart because you know how it feels. And so I pray for all of us, God, tonight that you'll help us and that you'll be merciful to us, Lord. That you'll just touch us and give us grace. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you a minute to respond to him if you'd like to. If you are a follower of Jesus, I just encourage you to be bringing to him those areas of your heart where you've maybe been bringing objections and disagreement at him that you would just surrender those things to him and ask him for grace and help but if you're not a father of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him would you just pray something quietly like this Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for dying in my place thank you for forgiving me would you just show me your great power would you show me your great love and would you wipe away my sin maybe just together we could all pray for Kelly God I just lift Kelly to you right now Lord and Just pray, God, that you'll just fill her hospital room with your presence, God. Touch her. Just heal her, God. Just show your grace. Show your power, Lord.